Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Cat, boss, how are you both? Chris, good it's good to morning. see you, man. <laughs> good to see you. It's unbelievable. Yes. It seems to me like it was 10 minutes ago, you and I were prancing about in the bottom field together. And um, it's just amazing how quick the time goes, but it's often nice to see you, bud. Yes, and you too. And I I remember carrying you through the bottom field, Jock. <laughs> all, that, all that whinge, whinge in. What do we call it? Mince? Was it mincing? We called it in the Marines. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that maybe, you know, your experiences may have clouded your memory a tad bit, Chris, but yeah. <laughs> that, that and all the other things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yes. Kat, how are you? Oh, good morning, Chris. I am very well. It's a gorgeous day here in the Scottish borders. Yes. And, and getting colder, as we established earlier. Yes. It Friend- is. Friends at home, much love to you all. Massive welcome back to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. It's an absolute honour today um, uh, to welcome two two legends. Um, Jock, I can talk about quite a lot because Jock was my boss in Royal Marines Commando training. And I have to say this gentleman had a profound effect on my life. Um, as he uh, no, uh, most likely did with the other, God, can't remember how many guys we passed out with, but it was quite a few. Um, the epitome of a Royal Marine, and I don't say that lightly. Um, this was somebody that led from the front without any hesitation. And I'm, Jock, I'm not uh, just blowing smoke up your ass mate it, it uh, you 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 know you you were a man's man and um and i've carried that with me all my life i'm gonna tell a little story cap just bear with us but we were up there on woodbury common it was february so it was bitterly cold it was a particularly cold winter i think it was minus six when we all had to to get our uh, equipment on and and trot up there the endurance course for anyone who knows anything about the Marines knows it's it's kind of epitomizes the toughness of commando training. It's this obstacle course set over two and a half miles of the countryside. It's got water obstacles. Uh, it's got the Peter's pool that you have to wade across holding your rifle above your head. When we did it, we had to break break the ice to get across. And the most, I think, notorious, if that's the right word, obstacle on it is something called the sheep dip. And it puts the fear of God into bloody anybody. It's uh, you basically have to get pushed underwater through a submerged tube, which is about that wide. So you've got an inch on either side of you, depending on <laughs> obviously how big you are. And as, as us nods, as we were called, they call you nods in training because you're always nodding off in the lectures. As we stood there just staring down at this obstacle thinking, oh, my God. Our boss, Jock, who didn't have to do this, just went, ah, fuck it, out the way. And he stripped, <laughs> stripped, stripped down to his combat jacket and jumped down in the water and one of the i, I believe it's a pti it might have been one of the other guys in our incredible training shame just shoved him through and i remember thinking there as, a, as an 18 year old that's a bloke <laughs> that is a bloke and and so jock thank you so much for that mate what an intro man yes no i'll pay nothing. you later i'll give you the money later <laughs> yes <laughs> No, uh, and and Kat, it's great to see you. And Kat ties in because Jock runs an organisation called Horseback UK. Correct me where I go uh, uh, wrong here, boss. Um, but really uh, helping to, uh, 
uh, uh, to reconnect um, people from the military community and others. But really, our job is to help people that have really hit rock bottom to reconnect to them, form themselves and reestablish themselves in the world. And I'll talk about that as we go on. But that's mm -hmm. our mission. And that's how you met Kat. Do you want to explain how that came about? Yeah, I'll introduce Kat. I, I, you know, I'm, I was a member of a, a team, the Royal Marines, which um, encouraged values which never left me. And speaking to Chris, it's great to hear that, you know, whatever happens in life, I don't think that kind of experience does leave you. And we needed to put a team together, uh, teams together to help the work that we do. And at the heart of that idea, is the idea of empowering people from within the community, in other words, the military community, who've endured serious injury, life-changing injury, to be at the very heart of the solution that we're trying to create. To that end, we need people that have taken journeys in life, which has taken them to the very bottom. And <coughs> each course that we run here has two mentors on it. They've been through hell and then they've been through our courses and then they they use both these experiences to help connect people who within our world that need help and the most difficult challenge that we face is getting people to the to admit to themselves and others that they need help so it's that initial step that first step in the journey and the mentors are critical because you know who better to start to encourage you or to give you hope that there's a future than somebody that's actually had to take the journey themselves now, Kat, we started a year and a half ago, two years ago, in fact, working with the NHS. The NHS was going through hell. There were people exposed to high levels of stress for a long time. And there were lessons that we'd learned with the military community that we felt were transferable. If we were going to do the, keep up the same values as we had with the military, it was a vital we found people from within that community that were able to be the heart of the solution. And I was introduced to Kat one day. And I think for Kat, it was a bit of a shock. So at that stage, I'm going to hand you over to Kat. You can tell the rest of it, Kat. That is very, very true. Um, when I first got introduced to Jock, it was my, it was through friends, um, veterans that had been going up to horseback for about 10 years. And I'd heard all about Jock, but I had no need to speak to him. I was like, why do I need to speak to this guy? And, you know, he's looking after the veterans, blah, blah. I'm from NHS background, so nursing background. I've been a theatre nurse for 20 years. So part of that high performance team that you guys have just been talking about, because you go through horrific times with each other. Do you know, of course, you've got your mega highs or your mega lows at work and those stressful, 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 life-changing situations that you've got to deal with day in and day out. So um, that's my kind of background. Then got introduced. So yeah, here's Jock. So back in the day, lockdown had come along, you know, when everybody's isolated. And uh, he came along on the Zoom chat. <laughs> Not only is he on the Zoom chat, it was this summertime. Here's this cowboy. He had a cowboy hat on, no shirt on. He'd been out on the horses, prancing around. And that was my first introduction to him. And I was like, this guy's quite super cool. <laughs> and but, since then, I have been um, had the honour to get to go up to a boy and spend time at Horseback UK over the last yeah year, which mm -hmm. has just been incredible. Kat, you're amazing. You just told me all of that, and you didn't mention the fact that you've had a wee mishap in your existence. You oh yeah, like why I, oh, why yeah, I, yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> sometimes I actually forget about it so the major reason why I'm here and the major reason that I can um, connect to uh, the veterans and everything when I come up is because I have had that life-changing accident um, so it was July 2019 beautiful beautiful summer I was across in Morzine um, doing some mountain biking because that is what I love like I love mountain biking I loved all the obstacle races all that kind of stuff and I was just out one day beautiful perfect day a bit like today sun was shining I was actually in such a good place in my life I just turned 40 I was um, single again but it was good it, life was so good and I was loving it and I'm going along do 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 and uh, and had an accident and um it was a very bad accident because i broke my back um and damaged my neck as well so it was really 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 difficult and um there i am lying pinned to the mountain just going oh jesus oh god this is once i regained consciousness and i'm like oh oh what's wrong with me and i was like and i was like i can't breathe and my mouth was full of blood and i was like blah, blah, so i'm spitting the blood out and i'm like i got all my teeth so why have i got all my teeth so i broke my nose um but then yeah i couldn't like move and then i was like i just knew that i couldn't feel my legs so 
it was a uh, pretty grim and then I had to wait and wait and wait and then eventually a helicopter came and got me and took me off the mountain and I was just straight into surgery and anesthesia so I was in for five six hours back surgery and then when I woke up you know you still think you're going to be fixed and you're going to be repaired and I'm lying there I couldn't communicate for two whole weeks and what was going on because I'm a pigeon friend from high school that did not get me through so <laughs> eventually got flown home to Glasgow spinal unit where they basically you get the the news like you're not going to walk again and um yeah that's um very 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 difficult to deal with being from that active you know outside work that's what I loved I just such a sporty girl um so that was really quite horrific to I, I don't I don't even know how I dealt with it so going through all that mentally and physically you know I can chat about it more and more but that is why I ended up being in touch with Jock and the horseback charity and um yeah I've been on some journey since then and that's only that's the start of it that was three years ago this wasn't just a cheap ploy to get a ride in a helicopter was it Kat? well Tess, do you know what that lunchtime <laughs> i'd been sitting with this group of guys i didn't know them they were all just bikers and they were all um helicopter engineers and we were chatting about oh cat we'll take you out in a helicopter yeah an hour a couple hours later i was in a helicopter so i know you're going to find this difficult madness. to believe chris I know you're going to find this difficult to create, Chris, but I don't. I don't boast about my chopper anymore, mate, and um, um, I don't fly anymore. And I've got a glider strip at the bottom of the of the drive. Uh, I I just um, I really enjoyed the time I flew, but I really enjoyed it in the military. When I came out, I hated it, and I I gave it up. So um, yeah, I don't know. We haven't really talked about me flying choppers, have we? Hey, I tell you what, no, but. Um... Uh, my best buddy that I joined the Marines with um, actually actually tried that course and, and he got told, no, you're, you're not up for it. And, and he said he was at an event somewhere. He he went on, he was in our troop, Jock, and he went on to become an officer. And uh, I won't say his name because he might not want to be mentioned on a podcast, but he said he's at this uh, um, event and there's all this regalia and everybody's doing their military. And, and he said, this chopper just flew in. <laughs> and, and he said the pilot got out with his, you know, Tom Cruise sunglasses. And uh, and it was our boss. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, he said, you had a quick chat. And then and then Jock said, I've got to fly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you're going to become a pilot, you might as well go the whole hog and be a complete wanker with it. I mean, it's yes. part of the course, mate. So oh, um, I don't, I, I'm pleased to report as well, Chris, that the selection processes have, you know, have been improved dramatically since my day. And uh, I was very lucky to to get the opportunity. I loved it. It was great fun. Mm. Yes. And I, I, I want to talk a, um, a lot more about that, Jock. It's fascinating. It's fa uh, the, the whole shebang is, is, is fascinating but cat um so i just want to uh, clarify for our friends and so you would you were doing like a jump on your mountain bike or no no just a simple just a simple accident just hit one little bit wrong same yeah gosh that was it honestly it was just you just yeah you couldn't make it up yeah it was not a technical route nothing like that not compared to what we ride here at home so mm. uh, yeah Chris, I, I, you know, I've been doing this for 13 years at the charity. We've had literally thousands of people come through the doors. And one of the things that makes you realize it takes one second bad luck, one second of bad luck to change your life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if it happens, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, uh, you know, what, you've got a choice. You either accept what's happened and make use of what you've got left and try to forge a pur purpose for yourself in life. You know, this is stoicism, amore fatti, and or you or you curse the gods for the rest of the time you're alive and and you're miserable. I mean, to me, what I've experienced here is bravery week after week of people who remain cheerful. Remember, one of the Royal Marines um, values cheerfulness in the face of adversity. Mm -hmm. You know, I see it every day, man. And I'm going to tell you someone else, and I'm going to, you know, I don't often do this, but Cat is would would have be the best Marine or one of the best Marines I've ever worked with because she epitomizes this. Never met anybody with more reason, lost more, never heard a complaint about it, never heard her say anything about the past, just what we're going to do next and how we're going to help people, other people moving forward. So, you know, although I do something very different to what I did when we knew each other, the values that I was taught and we shared together are the same values that the whole charity and the whole initiative 
still holds very close to their hearts. You're not still trying to borrow money off people then, John? No. <laughs> Look, you promise <laughs> you wouldn't mention that. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to watch, <laughs> I'm going to watch me, me bank cards here. I'm going to put them somewhere safe. <laughs> I can't believe you promised you wouldn't say a word. <laughs> and, and on that note, I just want, um, I just want to pick up on a point that, uh, and again, friends at home, this isn't about loss. This is about actually gaining more through the experience, Kat. Am I, could you tell us a bit about that? Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I, you know, I didn't used to have a reason to get up after Maxton. I was like, how, what's the point in getting up? I have nothing to get up for. Even getting up is incredibly difficult. You know, you just wake up every morning especially when you're in hospital and you're just like, well, I can't move and you've got to wait for the nurses to get you up. And, oh, this goes on for months and months and months. So going from being a nurse to then having five months as a patient in hospital, whew, that was crazy. Then I got out of hospital and again, I'm like, well, what, why do I need to get up? There's nothing to get up for. Life was really mentally and physically just horrific. It was really difficult. Then the pandemic came along and it got worse. That isolation was absolutely horrific. And I couldn't see a way out. I was like, well, well, there's nothing. What am I going to do? And then it was after that phone call with Jock here. And uh, it was really, I thought, right, I've got, here's an opportunity. Let's go up. Let's go and see what this is all about. And it was very difficult to, I had to get a friend at the time because I, I couldn't drive myself at the time. Um, they took me up, met Jock. And from there, I just kept making myself do things and I still felt that huge desire to help. I just wanted to help, help, help people. So this program came along to then help the NHS, but also while I've been up at horseback, I have just met so many people that have, like myself, have these journeys where you're just knocked back down um, and you've just got to build yourself up. And I've made great friendships with one guy, um, a former Marine, and he had a real, real bad head injury. And one morning over breakfast, we were just communicating away and I said to him when did you have your accident and he told me and I says oh my goodness we were both in Glasgow hospital at the same time like how mental is that he's in the neuro unit I'm in the spinal unit and together we have just watched each other's recovery going from being oh, kind of scared to go out again shall we say to now going out loving what we're doing both just wanting to give back so much I want to give back by doing all our our chats and helping my fellow NHS people and he wants to give back by going up there and he helps out around the yard all the time he's on one of the courses um it's just phenomenal and I just didn't think I'd have that drive again and I've got this huge uh, you know goal now as well I'm learning to horse ride Chris mm. <laughs> I strapped myself onto a horse now that is super scary because the first time Jock said okay we won't get you on a horse and then I got up there and he met me and he's like let's see what we can do so he tested my balance in a saddle on the quad bike and then jock's like fanning about trying to go like oh, how are we going to do this how are we going to do this we need this we need that and i'm thinking oh, just make it simple and then one of his one of his people came along and just lifted me up and put me on his horse and the rest history and how good is that and all these opportunities have come along and i didn't think they would but they have come along and i'm just starting to change my life like i'm leaving the past behind which is very difficult because I don't want to leave it behind, but I have to, or I'll not move on. And I'm just grabbing new opportunities. It's not easy, but it's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, there's hope again, and there's a future again. And I didn't have that. So it's pretty cool. The other thing, Kat, I think that I was, the um, the point I was trying to get to, probably badly, <laughs> <laughs> but is, is, I think a lot of people think that when you have a challenge in life, certainly if you lose an ability that life then just becomes about like trying to replace it and you know make yourself worthy and did what i was getting to is there's a higher thing going on here that i know that all three of us have accessed i call it the universe people can call it god what whatever they they like but it's it's accessing this whole pot of information that's literally there our whole lives and yet 99 can i say 0.9 percent of people never realize there's something so much more special in life and it's not just about yeah i've had this thing and you know i used to like mountain biking but now i've managed to get myself on a it, it's it there's something so much more more there i want to chuck a quote here chris i want mm. to jump in here Yesterday, we were talking about um, 
this particular idea, the miracle of life, okay, with the NHS team that we're working at at the moment. It's very easy to, to focus on the wrong things, man. You can focus on negative, especially in the modern era. You pick up a fucking phone or something and every damn, you know. The truth is there's eight billion of us on the planet. The vast majority are good. We're all connected. Everything's connected through energy. And we've, as you say, people call it different things. But once you start to understand this connection, and the horses taught me this, because I work horses, not I don't ride them about. I'm going to try to explain to you a little later how we work the horses. It's about it's about connection. It's about getting them to trust you. It's about taking their fear away. And by doing so, the horse wouldn't you like somebody to take your fear away? So that's what a horseman is. And what we do here is we help people understand the horse's psyche because they're nervous critters. And by doing that, they actually learn about themselves and their own acts. And if we can help people, uh, you know, understand how to help a horse with its anxiety, then in doing so, they automatically learn about their own and how they can manage that. Because, you know, one of the realities is that everybody that comes here has been hit real hard, hit real hard. When we started, 80% of the people we served were physically hurt. And now 80% of the people we serve have been hurt with a mental injury. To the point where they broke. And I reached this point, and I know that you did, bro. I reached the point after working 10 years in the business, and the irony is the more successful it is, the more it killed me. I thought that having a big car and a wee watch and all that crap was going to make me happy, and it did not make me happy. And I kept going, and I got more responsibility. I had to spend more time away from the hills and the thing that fed my soul. And more in a rat race that, okay, there was monetary reward, but it didn't reward my soul. And I broke. You know, I broke. And I found myself living under a desk, telling the world I was all right with my insides being clawed, with terrified of everything, trying to avoid everybody at all costs, and trying to convince myself I was all right. So for me, you know, this journey would not have happened if I'd not um, um, met, you know, hit rock bottom personally. Look, look, look my story is the, the, here, people are injured in so many ways. The point being is you've got to hit rock bottom before you can start going up again. And that's what everybody here shares. Now, for me, I was lucky that I met some people that were able to help me understand what was going on because I didn't understand. I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. I, you know, I had no idea. Mm. And secondly, they made me understand that there was a way out. They gave me hope and they gave me a, a path to take. And that is what drove me to start the charity. You know, I saw the guys coming back from Ganners. I saw the fact that they had gone through terrible life-changing injuries. But that really, the medical care was great. That wasn't what concerned me. What concerned me was the fact they were going to get sent home towards Jeremy fucking Kyle by themselves. You know, why not just shoot the guys? You know, we, we are military people. We're team players. It's like my horse. My horse needs a herd. You take him away from the herd, he withers, as we do. And that, that is why community is the first principle of what we do here. It's about reconnecting people, putting them back in a team so they get the energy from other people. They discover that they're not alone, whatever the injury, that we're all together climbing out of some shite hole and we'll do it together. And no one can do it by themselves. And one of the things I was very hopeful that I'd be able to say during this podcast is, and this is from personal experience, if you are sitting at home at the moment and you feel like there's a right, your body's reacting like there's a rhino charging it, but there ain't no rhino there. You're just sitting in front of the telly with a tin of lager. You know, you're not well. You're a human fucking being. You're not well. Now, when I was in court, you talked about the 30 miler. Mm. The 30 miler taught me that I could go further than I could. And every time you go further than you could, you can learn you can go further than you can. But that's not really what it taught me. What it really taught me was that you're going to fall down in life. Sooner or later, you're going to fall down. And if you're lucky, there's people around you pick up your weapon and they pick up your gear and they help you through that mile that you can't do because 10 miles down the line, you'll be doing it for them. But that is the principle by which we work. There somehow is a shame in hitting rock bottom. And I know this because, you know, I, I, I was terrified that anybody could see this terrible weakness in me. But the truth is that nobody's going to judge you uh, for being ill. And if you want to know what bravery is, bravery is overcoming fear and therefore if you're sitting at home and your guts are clawed and you can't think straight and the old world's going to hell and you've cut yourself from other people, you're ill, dude. You're ill. And you need mm. some help. And you, this is going to be the bravest fucking thing that you'll ever do is ask for help. Okay? Mm. You want to be brave? You want to show me that you're a big, strong, you know, we've got SF people outside at the moment. 
you know, everybody will break. And the truth is the bravest thing you'll ever do is take that first step, which is just admit it to yourself, put your hand up and ask somebody for help. It don't matter who you ask. The minute you take that step, you're turning that journey around. And that's really what we're all trying to do here is help people find a way out of this, the darkness that they find themselves in, reestablish themselves, give them a team, give them a purpose, which is to help other people and empower them. A bad experience in Kosovo when I went to Kosovo and when I came back, things went right, just went downhill from there. But I've never really been near a horse in all my life, so uh, it's been completely different. So it's really brought me out and made me feel, feel like somebody again. I'm smiling at it a bit, uh, Jock, because you mentioned daytime TV. And when I was, uh, after I got back from Hong Kong and I was, the, the doctors told my family they should put me in a, um, basically a mental health facility and that I'd probably be there for the rest of my life. Um, and uh, what followed on from that is I, I, I actually had a house in Plymouth and my very kindly, my, my dad and my uncle had paid the mortgage so I didn't lose it, even though I was like, I don't, I don't, you know, I was away with the fairies in that respect. But in a way, it was a bit of a curse because I went back there and I, I fell into like the deepest, deepest depression oh, w without knowing what depression was, right? No one had ever told me what. So I'm there thinking like, why, why do I feel so, so down, so like empty? I'm not. You know, I lost every, I wasn't a Royal Marines commando anymore. I wasn't a potential millionaire businessman as I went to Hong Kong as, and, and, um, I could, I, I like literally lived on a sofa bed for about 18 months. And the most exciting part of my day, if I couldn't get drugs was like what's on daytime TV. So when I wrote my, my memoir, 40 Nights, which followed on from my memoir, e Eating Smoke, which was what happened in Hong Kong. I started every chapter or every other chapter uh, with some, uh, what do we call this? Some some narrative from daytime TV. All right. <laughs> and I because of copyright, I had to, I made it all, all up. So this is, um, this would be me on that sofa bed, chronically depressed the most exciting part of my day is if i had roll up cigarette that that was like oh at least i've got you know i lived on i lived on marmite and toast and porridge mixed with pasta for for that's all i could afford right i my after the drugs my my shopping expenditure i'd leave myself like one pound 75 to feed myself for two weeks right it was ah but let me just read you this. This is me. <laughs> I I think I'm funny. Uh, and, and it, <laughs> I guess that's the main well, you thing. You better find but... out, mate, because I'll be honest with you. The chapter's called This is Planet Earth, and it, it, it's... Hello, and welcome to Ready, Steady, Cook. <laughs> 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 Says host Fern Britton, looking a deal more scrumptious than the gigantic polystyrene tomato Hanging, ab <laughs> hanging above her head. It, it's the show where two competitors attempt to create Michelin star dishes with a not so starry budget with the help of our celebrity chefs. Whoop, whoop. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> it's time to meet our contestant contestants. Fern forces a smile, knowing a, a pair of kitchen biffs are about to knock up tripe you wouldn't feed a compost heap. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's welcome Barry and Sandra. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Clap, 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 clap. So, Barry, Fern flutters her delicious eyelashes. What did you spend your five pounds on? Geordie Joker Barry opens his quick safe carrier bag and dumps six cooking apples and a bottle of vodka on the counter. <laughs> Fern. Mop frowns into camera two. <laughs> the audience go wild. 
pure comedy gold. They absolutely love it. <laughs> Sandra removes quinoa. Quinoa. I, what? What is it? Kim, quinoa. Broccoli, <laughs> broccoli shoots. A freshly caught salmon and quail's eggs from her basket, and gives Fern a, gu a guilt-free smile. <laughs> and you bought all that for under a fiver, asks our incredulous host, knowing full well Sandra is a devious, lying witch. <laughs> <laughs> Ready, steady, cook. Series four, episode one, four, two. I just made that shit up. <laughs> Listen, bro. I'll tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I read your book, obviously, and um, I'm I'm reading this book, and it, it was a great adventure. I mean, the fact that it was real, but I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, how the fuck did Chris Rowe write this book? You know, when I knew he could barely string a sentence together, and again, you've proven to me <laughs> that, and, and, you know, that was that was, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I'll get the next one. I, I didn't actually know you had another one, but I'll go get it and I'll read it. Yeah, but, mate, know, I got I got several more. I've got two. Uh, that's the one that that you're in, Jock. You're in this one. I'll definitely get that one, mate. Yeah, what's it called? Mind, State right? Of, on it. State of mind. Surprising, surprising. That's when Jock phoned me, folks. When I was, I'd literally left Land's End and <laughs> called up, went, "Throw you mad bastard! What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, well, I listen, I tell you, it's um, it's uh, it's a funny kind of way to reconnect because we really haven't talked properly for thirty years. No, I know about the, the the odd chat, but um, it, it's a bit surreal doing it on this top sort of media. But I'm glad Kat's here because um, you know, the perspectives that she brings to the table. Um, you know, and also as far as what we've been doing recently, you know, what we're doing at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad to hear, bro. And I'm, 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 I'm proud of you, mate. I'm going to say that that's probably going to make your toes curl back a bit, but you know, you've been to hell and you climbed out and you've reestablished yourself. Well, Salute. I had a good mentor, mate. So thank you. You know, well, that's uh, nice of you. and, and now you're, but now we're going to pass it on Jock, aren't we to others, not, not just struggling veterans, but obviously that's our that's a connection for us but to to anyone that's struggling you know there is there's something better you know tough times they don't last but they don't, man. I, you know one of the things i use the horses to you know with the nhs to try to explain human behavior and the horses uh, have a very different perspective on the world than we do uh, and you were talking earlier on about being part of something bigger and we are. I'm, I, I know it, and I, I don't know what you to call it. I don't think anybody that knows what to call it is, is, you know, barking up the right tree. But it, what it does, and what it does for me is, it reminds me that, you know, I'm small, and the, you know, the, the miracle of being here at all is, is amazing. And you know, if you focus on the right stuff, then you'll find this presence everywhere. You know, I, I'm, I live in the Highlands of Scotland. I work with animals. God, if you want to call it that, I'm not a religious person, but let's just call it that, or the gods, they're everywhere. And you feel the connection. The trouble is, we as humans, we have a choice on what we focus on, and it's much easier to focus on something that's in your hand, and you just press a wee button, than it is to make the effort to go and climb the hill. But, you know, for me, you know, I learned this lesson early in life. The more you put into it, the more you'll get out. And yes, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sometimes, because the more that you, the higher you want to climb, the, the more often you're going to fall. But the truth is, uh, what I learned and you learned and cats learned is that if you fall down, you get up again and you keep going because, you know, there's no choice. And there is, you, it, I know it sounds ridiculous, but having spent 13 years working with people who have more excuse to claim to be victims than anybody I know in society. And I tell you, I've never met one person of any worth of the thousands of people through our gates who use their injury as an excuse. They all wanted to be part of a team. They all wanted a purpose again in life and they all wanted the chance to affect other people. And we as a society use a word that I fucking hate, which is disabled. Okay, so you say somebody's disabled. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you know, there, people get hurt. They don't get disabled because, you know, it's about what you can do in this world, not... And you, you know, like Kat's the epitome of this. And, you know, Kat thought for a while there that she wasn't going to be able to, um, you know, affect people to, to, to administer some care. But I think that Kat is, is affecting people now profoundly. We had a session yesterday, and I'll let Kat describe it to you, which, you know, was the last session for, for an NHS cohort. Uh, 
And, you know, these are people that have been under great stress for a long time. They had to face COVID. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather face, you know, the entire Russian army armed with a small toothpick and a, and a you know, one running shoe than go into a war with something that I don't know, don't understand that could kill me. I think that's brave, man. And these people have had to face all that and the, and the challenges that that brings up. And they're a bit burnt out, you know. And our job is to empower people like Kat and others to make them understand that it's perfectly normal to be burnt out. It's, per- it's all right to fall down. It's okay. You're human. Okay. Mm. Don't, there's no shame in this. But the shame would come if you don't admit it to yourself and don't realize you need a little help sometimes in this world. And this is, I'm repeating myself. But we're here, um, you know, I have a vision, and it was the same vision as I had 13 years ago, was I want to change the way that our society thinks of people that have taken a major hit. And, and instead of calling them the disabled, see them as a major asset in helping others. I mean, who the, who's better to lead you out of the dark than somebody that's actually been there and climbed out themselves? Mm. You know, so that's at the very heart of everything that we do. And Kat, you know, you, you've now been working for a year and a half with the, uh, uh, the NHS, and it's not the same job as you did before. But I, I think it probably, well, I, I'll let you see, you know, does it give you the, a, a level of satisfaction because you're still doing something good? Yeah, it's been part of that team again. I'm part of that team. <laughs> I've got purpose again. And yeah, Jock mentioned our chat yesterday. So we'd been running this course for eight weeks now and we're using the horse behavior and our professionals and um, a storyteller and just to watch other people's journeys and how they've, they've gone from quite a bad place and they're, they're just looking forward. They're, they're on a different trajectory and it's just, it's phenomenal. And they're all kind of crying and they didn't want our course to finish. And I have just never seen anything like it. And it's, it's simple things like Jock all sort of saying, that storm in your head that you think is not going to pass look at the horses what do they do they're turn their bums to the bad weather and they wait and that's just what we have to do and it does it will pass and of course you'll you'll dip again but it's just learning how to control those dips i mean we know we know what it's like to be rock 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 bottom I can recognize that now and I can stop myself getting that bad and I allow myself to feel when I'm getting bad and go okay I can deal with this and just feel it it'll go and and it does and it yeah it's amazing Mm. just to learn how to do that properly because i didn't understand it like you guys i didn't understand depression i didn't understand anxiety i didn't understand a lot of stuff but because i've now been through it and one is an ex-veteran he said to me he says cat it's a privilege to reach rock bottom and at the time i was at rock bottom what's he on about god what horrible thing to say to somebody i don't understand this after kind of climbing out and Chris, what you were alluding to earlier about being part of something bigger, I can kind of see that now. It's weird. I don't know. What do you think of that privilege to reach rock bottom? I don't know. Well, the way it is. I think Mark Ormrod, the, was it the first triple amputee from the Afghanistan war or uh, uh, that's always going to be disputed, but, but he says, you know, like I wouldn't have anything different. You know, that he's really found himself through losing three limbs. Um, and, and this is what I was getting, to, uh, you know, that, that, that there's there's more out there. Um, what do you think, Kat, when I when, at this period, I was just talking about this. Well, people would call it recovery, but what whatever. Um, I started to uh, I got invited to a friend's farm and she kept rescue ponies right and i could just go and ride them like whenever i wanted so i used to rock up at the field park my car up go into the field and one of the horses would come forward and i don't know if this rings a bell with you but i i I would just like hug hug the horse for a while do you know what i mean i just would have a hug and i'd i'd stroke it and then yeah you were arrested for that before me remember (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no that was that was sheep oh yeah yeah <laughs> and then and then i would just hop up on its back you know no no saddle no no bridle no 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 nothing and just ride ride around the field and it was fine and i just want can you tell us is do you get that connection is that a thing with horses or am no. i just am i just romanticizing 
No, you know, it's a thing. It's definitely a thing with horses. Um, I don't even need to be right up. I just take the dog out this morning and I'm looking across at the field of horses and it just makes you feel calm. It makes you feel better. And then when I'm actually up in a boin and I'm right next to the horses, it's exactly that. You just, just being next to them is it's phenomenal. Do you, very special. Do you worry about taking a, a, a tumble? <laughs> I do. <laughs> but I can't let that stop me because else what's the alternative to sit on the sofa and watch daytime TV? No way, Jose. So it's very scary. And listening to you saying you just rock on up and you can jump on bare back. I've got, that's what I used to do, obviously. And now I have to sit there and it, it kind of kills me because I have to rely on a lot of help. But I'm getting used to that now. I'm getting used to the fact that I need help. So somebody will go and get my horse for me. Somebody will tack the horse up for me because Western saddles are very, very, very heavy. And further down the line, I might come up with some sort of solution to do it myself. But at the moment, I very much have to rely on people. So that is really hard. I can't just do something when I want to do it. You know, I've got to always go along with the time flow, blah, blah. And then even when I'm on, so I've um, adapted this little belt. So it's like a wee seat belt. And that just anchors me, anchors me in. And then I'm just learning to do all the neck reining and things like that. So, of course, sometimes I think I have got to have the utmost trust in, in this horse, because if it goes down, well, I'm a wee bit I'm stuck. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just have to have that utter trust. But I have to do it because I just have to keep going. And I just love it. The horses are amazing. Um, you know, one of the things I saw in Cat okay, when I met her was this is an adventurer, you know. Mm. I spotted immediately, maybe it takes one to know one. And the gods had somehow stolen one avenue of adventure away. You know, this is somebody that likes to push herself. And it occurred to me that unless I scared the crap out of her fairly regularly, she was going to get bored. <laughs> so mm. part, of, part of what we did was we really pushed the envelope. You know, we went quick. We had started off, you know, cat, you know, bonding with a horse. And then, you know, we within a few weeks, we're up the top of a mountain on cat's birthday, you know, and that was a very appropriate. We found ourselves, you know, probably a thousand feet up away from everything. And I don't think you ever thought, cat, that you would be in a situation like that again, where you could, you know, you're part of the world rather than, you know, in a wee mm-hmm. building. And um, for me, you know, I, I've got to tell you, I've got as much out of the journey with Kat as, uh, or more, because, you know, what Kat doesn't really understand yet is the effect she has on people. And again, we've done a lot of smoke blowing during this, which is rather appropriate considering who we're talking about. <laughs> but the truth is that um, I, I, this, you know, Kat epitomizes this idea that people that have endured very difficult injury and recovery have so much to give. And if we can empower people, uh, to do that, then they find the purpose and the community in their life that, that we all need to be happy as human beings. So, you know, this is a big vision. So mm-hmm. the, the problem, you know, what, what I'm trying to say is that this is, this is something that we've been working on for a long time with different communities, young people, you know, we took, but we learned from the military community. It was those people from Afghanistan coming home, bodies changed, minds changed to help them feel part of something, to give them a new purpose in their life and identity. You're part of a team now again. And, you know, that we want to scale that up and we want to affect the NHS. And that's a big focus at the moment because the NHS, in my opinion, you know, really needs a bit of help. They've been through hell. We're, they're losing too many people. And, you know, I know the people that can help them. And the people that can help them are people like Kat. Yes. Oh, Jock, can I just say something? So on that day, Chris, it was amazing. I turned up and Jock's like, Kat, we're going on the horses. And I was like, yes. And he's like, no, no, we're actually going to leave the farm, leave the yard, go up into the hills. And I was, yeah, I was scared. And that is the furthest as well. I've been away from my wheelchair. So, you know, I've got to think like, like where's my chair? What am I going to do? How am I going to cope? But Jock just put me on and off we trundled for a, a good few hours. And it was so special. We didn't even need to talk. We just, it's like you say, there was something bigger out there. And we just, we just, Jock didn't even talk. Can you imagine? And we were just cruising no, along, <laughs> taking it all in. And it was it was so perfect. It was just amazing because I did not think I would ever enjoy another birthday. I'd gone from having birthdays all around the world, um, you know, getting up early in the morning, running into the sea, you name it, just anything because life was simple. It was easy. Now it's not easy. And here I was, I actually enjoyed a birthday. That's a miracle. <laughs> and that's so, thanks to the horses and Jock. Jock, just coming to you because I'm, um, well, hopefully, we, well, not hopefully, we can always do another podcast, but 
um, for all our, all our veteran uh, military fanatics out there, um, I'll ask you sort of rapid fire succession. But so what is it that like when someone grows up, why is it someone will become an officer in the Marines and someone will join the ranks? Is that a university thing, do you think? Or I'll, I'll tell you is, is right. This is the truth. It might not sound like the truth, but this is the truth. And all I can do is speak for myself. Okay. When I joined the Marines, I'd thought, you know, I'd find myself in a place and I, I stopped liking myself. I didn't know what to do. The only thing I really had in my life was that I was a fitness fanatic and my daddy had been in the Marines. My daddy wasn't an officer. <coughs> he was a grunt. And, uh, but he was core piss mate. And, you know, so I got to 22, I'd really just raised hell and drunk and done all the things that are fun. And I found myself really lost. And I, I did a left turn into the recruiting office on Loading Road in Ember. Okay. I sat down and the guy said, <clears throat> I said, I want to join the Marines. He said, do some press ups. I did some press ups, do some pull ups, no problem there. He said, um, and that, that was the first thing he said, come back. So I went back and he said, look, you know, we've looked at the, your piles and, <coughs> You know, you could be an officer if you want because you got the right. And I asked him, I said, well, what, what's the difference, mate? And he said, to be perfectly honest, the only, you know, the difference, this is what he said, the difference is an officer, you get a cabin to yourself. And, you know, if you join as, a, as another rank, you've you got a shared dormitory. Well, being one of the world's greatest wankers, it was a, an easy choice, mate. So I opted to become an officer because I'm a wanker. <laughs> and that, my friends, neighbors, is mm. the God's honest truth. If you want a serious answer, I don't know. I think one of the things I've learned about leadership, one of the things I hoped you saw is leadership, just another job in a team. And, you know, if you value yourself as a leader more than the people that you are, are serving, and that's the way I was always taught, then you're not a leader. You're an arsehole. Mm. You know, my job as a leader was always to maximize the potential of the people I had a, a responsibility for and make sure that once I'd achieved that, that, that everybody's aligned and, and knows where they're going. To me, that job is not more important than the job on the ground. The great thing about the Royal Marines for me was the fact that although, of course, there is a distinction, there was much more cohesion between the ranks than I've seen elsewhere. And, you know, we're trained together. We work together. You're going to get to I, – I, I know the guys I serve with better than, you know, most of them are friends because, you know, I shared experiences with them that intensified the relationship. So for me, you know, if I'm being honest, the job of an officer is to serve to serve the men and women that are in their team. It's not the other way around. And if I, if I meet anybody that thinks that, you know, I I just, well, I'm not going to be very happy about it. I hope that helps you. Well, you serve, you know, the officers obviously serve the blokes very well for the simple reason. If you look at the men in the Royal Marines, what, what they go on to achieve is freaking incredible. They're like the world's, some of the greatest adventurers, record breakers, so the best authors um yeah yeah i'd heard that <laughs> Pod, podcast hosts yeah well i hope it i'll tell you um, what i think Chris, is i think that you learn a set of values in the royal marines that will stand you in good stead wherever you go and these values which are about integrity and courage and courage to me you know as i've said already is about uh, being brave when you're scared and each of us is scared of something else you know it's not being brave charging the battle if that's what you love doing it's brave as i've already alluded to if you're ill and you feel worthless actually reaching out and talking to somebody the, the, the one that i always felt was most important was cheerfulness in the face of adversity you know to me this value will get you through life better than any you know as i've alluded to the gods can be cruel you know shit happens all the time but for me one of the things that um, helps most is, is laughing with me chums. You know, the crack, we used to call it. I, I don't miss most of what we did in the core, mate. I miss the people and I miss being in a team where the crack was fantastic and, you know, the humour was what made it for me. So I think that, you know, I, I hope that we, the Royal Marines, and, and, and a lot of other military, you know, every great thing about the military is that it bonds you together in a way like cats and I see unit. You, you, you bond because you face adversity. You learn, you see each other's souls in a way that most civvies never get anywhere near. And again, Kat, you're in the same boat. It's life and death. You screw up, someone's going to die. That mm. kind of focuses you. So the combination of the values, and, and as I said, the last thing is that what the Royal Marines taught me was that I can go a hell of a lot further than I think I can. And, you know, they kept doing this. So when, we, when I was 
you know, we were together during training and we were on different sides of the fence, you know, you, you probably weren't aware, but every week you push further. Every week you push a little further. And it's, it's much more sophisticated in my look. But the, the point is every mm-hmm. time you take a step further than you think you can take, you, the, the next time you do it, you can go further. And if you keep doing that for a year, by the time you get to the end of it and you're in King Street, you're in front of your parents and you look like a god, then, you know, whichever way you're made, you're going to look at the world slightly differently. Mm. What was it like then when you received 558 Troop? What, what, have you got memorable moments? Obviously meeting me for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, it was wonderful to meet such talented people. There were a lot of talented people in the troop. And then, of course, I met you, Chris. And um, (laughs) so, but if I'm being honest, it was one of the best jobs I ever had. And it relates to what I do now. You know, what was doing then was taking, if you want, raw material and turning it into something that the raw material liked themselves. I, I remember two things in particular. The pass out for me when you guys were on parade and I got to actually give the command Royal Marines to your duty quick march. That is the most proud moment of my life. I'm not kidding. Because mm. most of the time the adjutant has to say that. And Greg Tasker was sat up on the horse. He said, Mr. Hutchison, give the order. To be able to say to people you've spent a year with, Royal Marines, two-year duty, quick march. Man, what a feeling that was. And to watch you guys march off there and know, know that I'd had an effect on making you what, what, what you were going to be. And that would give you a life that was going to be very different to the one that you would have had if you'd stepped up and stayed at home and gone to the pub and watched telly. You know, basically, it's old-fashioned fame, but we made men of you. Mm. And when you walked off of there, I took huge pride in that. That's one of the best things I ever did. So, you know, and funnily enough, I'm, I've got a job now, which is, is kind of similar. You know, I work with a team. We're trying to help people take a journey. Uh, it's not done quite in the same way. But, you know, you would recognize it, Chris. If you came on a course, mate, you'd recognize the language. You'd recognize the terminology. You'd recognize the process. And you'd recognize the humor. Yeah. Have you read Chicken Hawk, Jock? I'm guessing you have. Hell Yeah. Yeah. So what's it? Probably one of the two brilliant books about flying. Chicken Hawk is the best book I've ever read on helicopter flying Mm. because it takes you through the training and then it takes you to combat. Very, just brilliantly written. Great book. Mm. And the other one I'd recommend if you like that is uh, First Light by Jeffrey Wellham, which is a story of First Light by Jeffrey Wellham. And it's a story of um, (coughs) a Second World War fighter pilot joined at the age of 18, fought for four years, had a breakdown. Just a brilliant book, brilliant guy. But, you know, to be honest with you, the flying for me wasn't as important as the team. All, all I was doing flying was, you know, flying, I was, the best flying I did was in Sea Kings and um, Mark Fours. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a crew of three and it's teamwork. And that's what I loved when I was, you know, trip commander. That's what I loved when I was working with you guys is being part of a team and, and doing something. Yes, it, it must be great. Well, I'm a, I'm a pilot. I've got a private pilot's license. Um, great. Get your ass up here. I've got a landing strip at the bottom of the garden. I mean, it's not mine. It's like one of the Europe's best glider strips at the bottom of the drive. Get your butt up, mate, and I'll show you how to fly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just have to steal a plane first because money's a bit limited at the minute. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll work yeah. away. I'll get your sponsors mm. to come up, mate. If I can do anything, I can black. <laughs> But look, yes. I've got incoming calls, Chris. I'm Listen, really sorry. Yes, I'm guys, just just tell us now, though, to the the, the camera, what, how can people get hold of you? Um, either of you have got anything to promote. Now's the time to say it. We'll put all links below the video for your social media and everything. Um, or any, any, any messages you've got to give to people? Yeah, I do. I do. I, you know, I... I'm always thinking of me, you know, you or me or cat sitting at home and and being on that bottom rung. People, please, if you're there, you know, be brave enough to to phone somebody. You know, there is no shame in being ill. And I promise you, I've spent the last 13 years watching people reestablish themselves when they believed there was no hope of reestablishing themselves. When you're at the bottom of that pit, you can't see any light. The light's still there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean to say it doesn't exist. And if you connect with somebody, I promise you, the sun will shine upon you again. So please, please be brave, people. If you're in a bad place, con- and if you don't know anybody, contact goddamn me. You can get me at horseback, 
horsebackuk.org.uk. The website's um, Horseback UK. Look it up. If you're in a bad place, please, please give me a call. We can help you start a journey. We can connect you to people that will help you. You're a human being, okay? Mm. Human beings get hurt. And if you're brave, you can admit it to yourself and you can climb out. So that's what I'd like to say to my message, Chris. Yes, brilliant. Kat, any, can you give us a... Just what Jock said. I'm here if anybody needs me. And Chris, thank you so much for chatting today. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I hope it will be the first of many chats. You're both more than welcome to come on the show um, um, anytime. I mean, I, uh, I, I, for, folks, we've done a, a three-way story here today. Um and I think it's been absolutely fantastic. But but I think we need to acknowledge that there's also two stories here that we could go much more deeply into. And I would absolutely love to. I I really would. You're you're both um, just legendary and a, a beacon of hope for everybody out there. Um, I mean, you just are. That's that's it. And that that's what that's what we we got to cut through the bullshit because. You know, the old system doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. It just damages people. And then they're too embarrassed to like say, like, I've been damaged, but and 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 we're losing too many people that way. So I think the fact the three of us are very proud of our experiences. Yeah, I've been I I, I was mental. <laughs> I was if you'd walk down the street, right? And you'd see me coming, you you would across the street because I'm there talking away to my I knew what I think I knew what no, I didn't know what am I talking about. I didn't you weren't a, wearing a goddamn stets and a pair of spurs and a pair of chaps, <laughs> mate. Do it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I was waving a bigger flag than you. Yeah, but 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 here's the thing. I'm massively proud of that in my life. I'm massively proud, you know, of uh, addiction. It's like probably the best thing that ever happened to me. And yet people don't understand this. Because when you meet, gotta try not to get upset here, but when you meet my son, right, he's a fucking angel. He's like the greatest kid on the planet. He's the most handsome guy I've ever, ever laid eyes on. He's so funny. And I just look at him when he's sleeping at night and I I wish I could be better for him, you know? And I love him and I, I give him a little kiss and, I just tell him every single night, you're my best boy. You know, you're my best. I have the perfect life. I'm not saying it's not got challenges. I've got challenges today, but no one's ever going to tell me I don't live in paradise. Right. And I want to tell you something. Everybody that I've met that's taken a journey like you've described. The thing that happens is when you hit rock bottom is you realize how precious life is, how brief it is, how lucky you are. And for some reason, you can't get that until you really hit the depths. I'm going to leave you with a famous quote, and it's at the beginning of, you're not going to fucking believe this thing, but since you're the writer, I'm going to quote a writer. Um, he was considered quite a decent writer, a guy called Tolstoy. You might have heard of him. And at the beginning of War and Peace, there's a quote, and I use it um, when I'm doing my courses. And it runs, I've never quoted anything accurate in my life, but it runs along the lines of this. The most important thing, but sometimes the most difficult thing in life, especially if you're hurt, is to love life because life is God. And therefore to love life is to love God. And it seems to me the conversation we've had today about something bigger than ourselves and all the rest mm-hmm. of it, what you just said, that to me is the most succinct description of what's going on in this mad world of ours. You know, and we have a choice. We either embrace that love or we, we look at all the negatives and we convince ourselves that people are bad and the world's bad and we're all doomed. Look, it's a miracle we're here at all. It's beautiful. Enjoy the little time you get. And the way you're going to do that is to connect to other people and to find a purpose. And the purpose you need to find is helping others. Absolutely. On that note then, guys, just stay on the line so I can thank you properly, but I'm going to push the button off now. But just, um, Kat, keep smashing it out of the park. Uh, Jock, big thank you again for everything you've done for me. Massive love to both of you and your families. Um, So everybody at home, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. If you can like and subscribe, hit the notification bell. That's really going to help the channel. And uh, my final word is if you're struggling, 
reach out because there's a future there for you 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 haven't even realized yet and uh it's bright yes see you folks friends thank you for listening to the bought the t-shirt podcast please like subscribe and share and don't forget to follow me on social media username chris thrall instagram chris dot thrall Thank you.